is a needed Become, become the pulse of the revolution In the ranks of the masses rising Get up, get up, your voices are needed Become, become the pulse of the revolution In the ranks of the masses rising Returning guest here on A Call to Actions. This is podcast number 45. We've been around for a little over a year now, and uh, we're kind of straightening our, our balance of, uh, of science and technology and, and God here. And it's an honor to have, have Jay Harden back with us. We'll be talking about the gospel, uh, dreams and visions, and, and more of that in the, the days that we're living in right now. Jay Harden, welcome back. Thank you, Bobby. It's good to be back. It's awesome to have you back. Uh, yeah, since the last time, I believe since the last time we had you on a call to actions, uh, you've mo- since moved to Texas and your life has kind of, um, has changed a lot. Um, how's yeah. Texas so far? I'm loving the heat and the barbecue. It's fantastic down here. I've always been cold everywhere. You know, I lived in the Midwest and it had its hot seasons and cold seasons, but man, down here, it's nothing but heat. I love it. (laughs) Heat and hot sauce, triple atomic, triple atomic. So, um, man, yeah, let's, let's just really, really take this off, uh, um, and pick up. You, you know, you and I we converse on a on a pretty pretty good basis, and you, you let me know when you're having visions and, and feelings and dreams about certain times and dates and things like that. So let's just start this off with uh, since the last time we talked, um, you've informed me that you've become aware of differences in four gospels. If there's anything you would like to touch on in regards to to those four Gospels, what you've uh, uncovered. Right. It was a couple months ago that it was, you know, kind of brought to my attention. Some other people have been looking at this for a long time, and I was listening to them. Uh, I think that, um, oh, my goodness, who is it? Um, There's a Sword of God channel uh, on YouTube. And um, Brother Charles and have a, a shout out to all of them and um, the amazing work that they're doing and the Holy Spirit is leading them on, I'm sure, uh, from what they're saying in the revelations that they're giving, as well as uh, Interrupt 165 and um, Pastor Sandy Armstrong and, and so many others. But the, uh, you know, the main thing that I took away from all of that was the inspired word of God has subtle differences in various places for a reason. And there are so many people digging into the scriptures right now, running to and fro through the scriptures and the books, figuring out what those differences are and what they mean. Uh, Because certain things are being revealed to, you know, to people, servants. After all, in Amos, it says, you know, God doesn't do anything unless he reveals it first to his servants, the prophets. And so I believe that so many things are being unsealed right now that the differences in the Gospels, which at first were, ah, you know, that's just, you know, four different accounts of witnessing, you know, uh, the crucifixion of Christ and story. But actually, I think it goes a lot deeper than that because people are realizing that they are clues to the end times and the timeline for the escape of the church, the, you know, desolation, um, 
all, all of these types of things that are about to hit the entire world. You know, we're already in the quote unquote flood, uh, you know, in the 120th year. It's widely known now, I think, uh, among all the people that are studying this, that the book of Psalms is the prophetic um, timeline of the years from 1900 to 2050. And, you know, so many people are talking about how Psalm 120 is the psalm where it begins with deliver me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue because a strong delusion has come over the whole world. You know, uh, people in, in positions of authority are ignoring just basic science and going along with a standard narrative that's being pushed. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's fascinating to me. And so, you know, all of these things are happening right now and studying the four gospels, looking at the book of revelation, you know, honestly just praying and asking for direction and guidance from God, you know, he says that if you ask him, you'll receive. So just spend some time in prayer, you know, throughout the day, um, do a little bit of fasting, you know, as much as you can and ask him and, you know, the dreams and, and, you know, this isn't, I don't know how many times I've said this, but I'm not a special person, you know, I'm just a regular guy. And if um, I can be led to all of this, then there are people far more intelligent than I am that will be able to really uncover these things. And it is truly the glory of God to conceal the matter and the honor of Kings to search it out. And if you ask, you'll receive, you know, just come with a humble heart, kind of forget what you know. And uh, it's been an amazing, it's been an amazing learning experience and I've gotten a lot closer to God too. I've gotten a lot closer to God and um, I don't have a sense of fear uh, anymore. In fact, I have a sense of joy and uh, expectation at uh, his soon return to take us all home and get us out of here because things are getting real bad. <laughs> Stranger by the day. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, we, we we're all obviously aware of, of one certain um, thing that's, that's going on globally. And uh, we can include that at least part of it into um, into a global deception or the uh, you know the great deception. And uh, for a lot, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be around here for you know, hundreds of more years, but I, I think that the times we're living in right now, at the pace of which information is being uncovered, the times we live will be not only known as you know. Um, COVID-19 age, but the great deception as being somewhere around 100 years after the great depression, but the, uh, the great deception. <laughs> um, let's see. So speaking of the gospels, um, just to anyone who doesn't know, uh, what are the four gospels? And uh, if you can note, make notes on that. Sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, I was studying the four gospels and the differences. I was only looking at the crucifixion of Christ. 
um, what he said on the cross, what he was wearing when he was on the cross, and what he did afterwards and charged uh, his disciples to do after he appeared to them. You know, because in each of the each of the uh, four gospels, he says something different. He does something different. He's wearing something different. And so I was really studying that. And I realized that all of these people that were talking about, hey, the gospels are written for different groups of people. Some will be the church that are taken away. The gospel of Luke is obviously for the bride of Christ. Mark is for the left behind church. And Matthew, um, yeah, left behind people. And Matthew is for the Jewish community. Um, you know, the people that believe in Christ, they're going. You know, a lot of, I, I had a conversation with a wonderful brother who was a Messianic Jew and, and he read, um, he read the information that I had in that document and he thought that he would be left behind simply because he was a Jew. And I had to remind him that if you believe in Christ, there is now no more difference between Gentile and Jew. You are the body of Christ. We are all one in Christ. So, you know, you're not an American anymore. Once you believe Christ, you're not a citizen of this world anymore. You're a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And we need to get away from the politics. We need to get away from, oh, I believe, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist or Episcopalian or, you know, whatever the de denominations are. You're either in the body of Christ or you're not. You either trust in Jesus and have been sealed by the Holy Spirit or you don't. That's it. You know, that's the cutoff. And people need to understand that this isn't. Um, this isn't some kind of contest about this, you know, I know more than you or anything. It's simply everything that we have has been given by God. We don't have any right to boast over anything, anything. All my intellect that I have, as minuscule as it is, was given by God. All the revelations that I have, given by God. I cannot go to somebody and say, oh, I know the truth about the vaccine. I'm like a, a hyper-Christian, you know, excellent person, and you're not safe because you don't know this. That is such, that is such a divisive and uh, bitter thing to do because the only reason I know this is because it was given by God. Yeah. He gave yeah. that to me so that I could inform other people, and they can ask him for the same information. God gives it freely. He doesn't hide it from anybody. And I don't have any reason to put myself up on some kind of pedestal just because I know this stuff. That is not what I'm trying to do. And I'm not trying to say that anyone is not saved if they don't know this. I was simply given this information to put it out there to make people aware that you can have the same level of discernment. You can have the same, you know, a greater relationship with Jesus than even I, you know, than I do. You know, I'm not perfect. I stumble on a daily basis, but I trust that just like a father would for his son, when his son stumbles, he reaches down and he picks him up and he says, all right, dust yourself off, you know, kid, and keep walking. I've got the path already ordered for you. I've ordered your steps. Just walk. That's all you got to do. He gives me the strength. He's already 
given me the path. All I have to do is just walk and trust in him. That's it. And so the differences in the four gospels that I was looking at are the differences in what Jesus says in the Olivet Discourse. Because the Olivet Discourse that he gives, I think, is the prophetic timeline. And it shows when we, when um, a general timeline of when we leave and um, what happens after. And this is so cool. So uh, let me just go ahead and get into that. All right. Oh, and by the way, the Olivet Discourse isn't in the book of John. It's only in Luke, Mark, and Matthew, which is amazing, an amazing telling of where John, the book of John um, is in the timeline. I'll get to that. But anyway, in uh, the book of Luke, in chapter 21, you know, verse 8, Jesus starts talking about um, many shall come in my name. In verse 9, you know, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. The nation's going to rise against nation. You've got earthquakes in diverse places, famines, pestilences, fearful sights, great signs from heaven. That's uh, verse 11. Verse 12, um, before all these, you're going to have the persecution, persecutions, excuse me, you know, they're going to deliver you up to whatever, and they're going to lay their hands on you, all that stuff. But then, in verse 13, it says, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. And this is so cool because in the other books of the gospel, verse 13 is um, so telling about who it's written for. You see, in the book of Luke, in verse 13, it says, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. The people that this is written to have the testimony of Christ. They're the ones that are trusting, believing in the gospel. You know, they know the gospel. They've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's left They're out in of, the body of Christ. And that's left out of the, the other um, gospel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So then in verse, you know, it, it says a little bit more, but in verse 20, it says, Jerusalem will be encompassed by armies. And then you know that the desolation is near, okay, is near. So the people that this is written to, the body of Christ, they will see Jerusalem encompassed with armies. And they're going to know that the desolation is just right around the corner. Okay. Now, let me switch to Mark, which is for the left behind church. And in the book of Mark, the Olivet Discourse is given in chapter 13. And, I, and I it was revealed to me why it's in 21 in Luke, 13 in Mark, and 24 in uh, Matthew. And I'll get, I'll get to that. But anyway, in Mark, it starts out at chapter 13, verse 6. You know, many shall come in my name. You're going to have wars and rumors of wars. Uh, verse 8, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Earthquakes, famines, uh, and troubles, which is the beginning of sorrows and the birth pains. And then uh, verse nine is about the, the, what is it? The persecution, you know, you'll be deliver delivered up to the councils. Verse 10, uh, the gospel would be published among all nations, spoken among all nations. 
And verse 12, let's see, brother shall betray brother to death and the father, the son. Um, what is it? And children shall rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Okay. Then in verse 13, and this is so cool. It says, you'll be hated for my namesake, but he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. If you look at that word endure in the ancient Greek, it means left behind. It means left behind. Makes sense there. That, that shall end. Okay. Her, and that's in a, a, a certain book of the Bible that's referring to a certain people. So. Yep. Look at the strongest concordance for that word endure in verse 13 of chapter 13. And you'll see that endure is left behind. And the reason that it says brother shall betray brother is that we know that as soon as the Holy Spirit leaves, every person will be hunting each other with a net. I believe it's in Isaiah, either Isaiah or Ezekiel or something like that. Um, but everybody it could be in Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry. I, I don't have the exact uh, verse, but basically everybody hunts each other with a net and people will turn on each other like this person hasn't had the vaccine or, you know, this person's not wearing a mask. You know, there's going to be that social credit score of this person's not doing what everybody else has been told to do. You need to go get him and for our quote unquote safety quarantine them or whatever. Everybody's going to be hunting each other with the net. Uh, there are so many places I think that say, you know, you're going to be afraid to speak to your spouse. You can't trust your wife. I, I wish I had the, the verses with me, but anyway, it's in there. And so verse 12 says, you know, you're, everybody's going to be betraying everybody. The best person left behind is going to be like a thorn bush <laughs> or something like that, because there's no more Holy Spirit. The people that have been uh, nudged by the, you know, the commandments, love thy neighbor as thyself and love God with all mind, body and soul, they're gone. So the only people left are pretty much briars and um, snares for everyone. But in, but then in verse 14, it says, and when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet standing where it ought not let those in Judea flee to the, to the mountains. You see in Luke, it says, when you see Israel encompassed by armies, you know that the desolation is near, but they never see it. The left behind people in Mark, they see the desolation or the abomination of desolation. Okay, let me jump to Matthew. Now, if this is the way that it goes, then in verse 13, we should see, um, you know, people enduring until the end and you'll be saved. And then it should say, you shall see the abomination of desolation because the Jews, of course, are going to go through the tribulation. They've rejected the Messiah. And I'm, of course, I'm not talking about Messianic Jews. Anyone that trusts in Christ and is sealed by the Holy Spirit is going. Okay. End of story. No, no debate about that. So anyway, Matthew chapter 24, here we go. Verse five, many shall come in my name. Verse six, wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. Verse 8, the beginning of sorrows. 
Verse 9, they're going to deliver you, deliver you up to be afflicted. They're going to kill you. Many will be offended and betray one another. This is verse 10. And everybody's going to hate everybody because the Holy Spirit's gone. Nobody has a good heart without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do anything good without the Holy Spirit. People are altogether falling short of the glory of God. And it's going to be a terrible, terrible time. There's going to be no food. You're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you've had the vaccine. And then later on, unless you have the mark, it's going to be horrible. Um, so anyway, verse 12, iniquity abounds. Love among many will wax cold, just like in the prophecy in um, uh, Thessalonians. Oh, I can't remember which book it is, but this is a prophecy uh, that Paul gives. Look. The love of many is going to wax cold. God's going to send them a strong delusion and they're going to believe it because they didn't have the desire for the truth. Basically, they're not trusting in the Christ and the Holy Spirit hasn't sealed them. They have no defense against the lying spirits, the, the devil, the great delusion. They have no defense. The armor of God is the only thing that separates Christians from everybody else. That's it. Verse 13, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay. 14, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then the end comes. You see, when the church leaves, the two witnesses are left behind. The gospel is preached, quote unquote, published in all the world because. At that point, everybody knows the truth. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't a trick. Jesus is really coming for the church. He's really going to vanish hundreds of millions of people and take his bride with him. And everybody that's not trusting in the gospel, everybody's not a born again, hasn't been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're going to get to go through the tribulation, but you'll know the truth at that point, And you'll be able to make a choice. You can basically, I hate to say this, but you're going to either get your head cut off for Jesus or you're going to serve the beast. That's it. Or you can starve. But uh, if you're not in Christ, then it's going to be horrific. If you are in Christ, at least the suffering is going to be cut short because the harlot, the new world order, will round you up that will quarantine you because you're going to refuse to take the the mark the the vaccine you know it's not the mark yet but uh, it's getting there once they come out with the quantum patch there you go um anyway verse 15 see the abomination of desolation spoken of by daniel daniel standing in the holy place you see we all know that that israel is going to be going through the tribulation, but God will protect them supernaturally from all their enemies. And they're going to rebuild the temple and all that, but they're going to see the abomination of desolation standing in that temple that they build. So to me, this is, this is evidence that Luke really does give us the timeline of when we go. And we know of the recent events that happened, um, I think it's just a few hours ago, where Afghanistan uh, 
is now controlled by Taliban again. You know, the armies of of the end times, Gog and Magog, are encircling Israel right now. And I think one of our senators or somebody uh, made a tweet where he was giving our troop numbers in different countries. I don't know why you would ever give kind of secret national secrets like that. But anyway, uh, he happened to, to mention that, oh, yeah, by the way, we have 30,000 troops in Taiwan. And, of course, China's like, excuse me? Why, <laughs> why do you have troops there? So, you know, that's probably going to start a war. And um, But I don't want anybody to be afraid because it's already happened in God's timeline. This is the way things occur. The United States is not around for the end times. The United States and its armies are decimated and brought into the new world order as in it's written in the book of revelation the harlot rises up and then from within the harlot the beast rises up and destroys the new world order and takes over and sets his own system up this has to happen and so when we see the armies encircling israel we know it's our time to go and we're, every day we're marching one step closer. Things are going to happen very quickly now. And um, to me, the differences in the Gospels, and I am so grateful that there are so many other brothers and sisters researching this and giving me the information and, and things are being revealed to them through the Holy Spirit that, uh, you know, I'm just in awe of how amazing, well put together, and precise these um, these scriptures are you know the the numerical values of all of these things um, you know let's take a look at let's take a look at the the, the numbers of the chapters you know in um, mark it's chapter 13 13 is a reference well it's a number that in hebrew represents rebellion and also love because at first there is a rebellion and love will conquer the rebellion, the rebellious heart, the rebellion of the angels. Love is going to conquer all of this. Jesus is going to win. It's all, the victory is already ours. But the people that are left behind are in some form of rebellion. But in verse 13, when they overcome their rebellion with love for Christ, they'll be saved. Same thing with uh, Matthew. They're in rebellion, but when they overcome that with love for Christ, verse 13, they'll be saved. Now in Luke, it's chapter 21 that the Olivet Discourse is given in. 21, no surprise, 777. His appointed people, his anointed people, his church. You know, seven's not... Matthew, Israel, chapter 24. What's 24? 888. Eight, eight. It's the new beginning. It's Jesus getting ready for a setting up of the millennial reign. And um, in the Gospel of John, it's so cool because in the beginning of the Gospel of John, it says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, that ties into Genesis. The very first word in Genesis is Bereshit, which is in the beginning. 
And we know from Isaiah that God declares the end from the beginning. So in the Gospel of John, what does Jesus say when he's on the cross? It's finished. God's declaring the end from the beginning. And that's why the Olivet Discourse isn't in there. It's done. It's all finished. So uh, very cool, uh, very cool study. And, you know, there are other things in there, too. When, when um, oh, in Luke, when he, when he talks about ask, can you receive, seek, and you find, knock, and I'll be open to you for uh, what's, what son would ask bread from his father and receive a stone. Um, or I think he says, uh, in Luke, he says, or would ask a, would ask his father for an egg and receive a scorpion. He doesn't say that in the other gospels. And what's really cool about that is the egg and the scorpion. I was looking at, at Stellarium a couple of days ago, and I realized that the moon passes right through of Scorpio. And so I think that that has something to do with the timing of um, the, you know, uh, the rapture of the church, you know, maybe that happens first. I don't, I don't know, but it was so cool because you can, you can see it in the stars. And um, kind of interesting to me because that comparison asked for an egg and receive a scorpion asked for an egg being a pretty, pretty dense, you know, a food item, uh, ask for something that may sustain them and help them or aid them and receive something, a puncture, some type of sting that may kill them. <laughs> right. Right. In, uh, in other places, it's, you know, if, if he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But in Luke, it's different. It's an egg and a scorpion, right? And, uh, Anyway, maybe other people can go and, and uh, search for that and find something else in, in the stars that that represents in the other Gospels, which would be really cool. I haven't done that yet. I'd like to hear uh, other, other people's perspective on, on those comparisons because I think uh, really depending on really just your perspective, there could be all, all different types of uh, uh, people's, people coming forward with different interpretations of that. I think that's pretty interesting. Well, that's the great thing about all of this is that um, everybody that reads the Bible, no matter what your understanding is, you can always get um, a basic surface level understanding. And I know that in Hebrew or, yeah, I think it's in Hebrew, there are four different levels of understanding for scriptures. There's um, the surface uh, meaning there is the interpretive sort of hidden meaning. Then um, I think that there is, there's the level there, but the, the final level, the deeper level is um, what they call sod, which is like an Eagle level where you finally, your eyes are opened. You're able to see how it all fits together and how the stories themselves in the Bible all point to Jesus basically. And all relate to, um, you know, the dates and times uh, when events are supposed to happen. You know, the prophetic timelines, the the true the true meaning behind um, all the scriptures, telling you 
about things that are going to happen before they happen, because that way you'll know when they do happen, that it's the Lord that said, this is what's going to happen on this t- day in this year. What's significant so, about August 8th, or sorry, August 9th? What's significant about that? Uh, I've heard a little bit about that. The Okay, so let's see here. Where are we? Um, we did the, the Gospels, and um, if we look at the, the Genesis timeline, because, you know, everybody knows generally that Jesus said, you know, as in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And, um, oh, by the way, you need to watch for my coming. Okay. And then everybody always quotes, nobody knows the day or the hour, um, not, the, not, not the angels in heaven, and neither the Son uh, except the Father. But if you actually go back to the Greek, it doesn't say that. It says, and neither the son, if not the father, which means that if the father knows, the son knows as well. And everybody's been misquoting this for like hundreds of years. And it, uh, it doesn't even pertain to uh, <laughs> the rapture. It pertains to when heaven and earth pass away. But, you know, whatever. Um, the Genesis timeline is another clue that Jesus gave us about when he would be coming back for the church. And I have a uh, little timeline here. Hold on a second. There we go. Here we go. Okay. And where was it? Sorry, let me search around for my papers here. Oh, here we go. Okay. So, um, 120th year is a year of judgment. The number 120 is a number of judgment. If you read the Bible at all, you know that. Moses was 120 when he died. He was judged. Israel had four kings, each of them ruling 40 years, and then the temple fell. It's a judgment. Um, When Jonah went to go preach to Nineveh, there's 120,000 people that were saved from judgment okay because they repented and the book of psalms represents the years 1900 to uh you know 2050 and you can find in psalm 48 the rebirth of israel just like it was prophesied you know back in um oh goodness uh genesis because the numbers from the number of years from Adam to Abraham is 1948. The number of years from Jesus to the rebirth of Israel is 1948. The 19th book from the beginning of the Bible and the 48th book from the end of the Bible is Psalms 1948. And in chapter 48, it's the rebirth of Israel. Okay. Now it's verified in the Bible, like six ways to Sunday. Verse 5708, which is the Hebrew year for 1948, because, you know, they're 5,000 years ahead of us uh, on their calendar. 5708 is the Hebrew year, uh, you know, 1948. So if you go back to verse 5708 in the Bible, it's when Israel enters their promised land. 
It's when they go back to their land. It's the rebirth of Israel. I can't remember. It's like Deuteronomy uh, 10 or something like that. But anyway, the marker for when things begin, unmistakably, the fig tree generation, the generation that sees the rebirth of Israel shall not pass away till all of this be fulfilled. So Jesus said it's going to happen, and it's going to happen exactly the way he said it is, okay? Now, when he says in the days of Noah, he's talking about the timing of events in um, the story of Noah and the great flood, because the great flood was a judgment on the earth for the mingling of DNA with the fallen angels and human beings. You know, as human beings, we cannot uh, withstand giants, the Nephilim, you know, the mighty men of old, you know, Nimrod and all these other things. Uh, we wouldn't have a chance. You know, we're like grasshoppers to them, uh, you know, based on accounts. They drink blood, they do human sacrifices. It's bad, okay? God had to wipe them all out to give us a chance, and he did. Now they're back, okay? The reason for the flood was to kill all the Nephilim. Well, the second time around, Nephilim are rising again. God's going to send his flood. He's going to have to step in and take matters into his own hand. He's going to have to, you know, defeat them. We can't do this on our own. And... The uh, flood begins in the 600th year, which is in the book of Psalms, Psalm 120. And, you know, great uh, shout out to Pastor Sandy Armstrong for all this information. Uh, God led him to this. And I'm simply really repeating what he said uh, because he opened my eyes. He actually knows Hebrew. I have been learning on Duolingo and I can say like, my name is Jay in Hebrew. That's about where I am right now. And I know basically the alphabet, but, you know, I'm a long ways off from being fluent in Hebrew, let me tell you. Uh, you know, Dr. Berriaw, he's done amazing videos uh, about the timing all, of all of this and uh, the sort of God channel. You know, there are so many people out there watching this. But anyway, let me get to it. So in the 600th year, on the second month, in the 17th day, the, uh, the flood started, and then, you know, the waters prevailed on the earth. It was raining. On the 10th month and the first day, you could, the tops of the mountains were seen. Forty days later, uh, Noah opens the, the window of the ark, and he releases the raven and the dove. And then seven days after that, um, you know, because the dove comes back. The raven never comes back once he releases it. But the dove comes back, he waits seven days, and he releases the dove. Well, the dove doesn't find any place to, to land, and so it comes back with uh, an olive branch, though, letting him know that, you know, the waters are almost receded. And then he releases it seven days later, uh, you know, another seven days, and the dove never returns, Okay. And then if we follow on in, in Genesis, it says in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first day, 
the earth was dried, all the waters were dried. And, you know, if we look at the book of Revelation and other passages, waters, seas are representation of people. Out of a great sea, I saw a dragon rising. Out of the midst of this new world order, you know, the entire planet coming together, this sea of people rises, you know, the, uh, the new world order and then the beast later on. So all throughout the Bible, waters, seas, people, okay? When the earth is dried, there's no more people. The, the new world order has their, you know, uh, Georgia Guidestones where they're going to reduce the population of the earth to 500, under 500 million and everybody's clapping, you know, like one of those TED Talks. It was disgusting. You know, we seem to realize that if there's only going to be 500 million people on the earth, a lot of people have got to go. All right. We've got like 7 billion people, six and a half billion billion people going to go. And um, they don't understand how, how horrific it's going to be. But anyway, oh, moving on, basically what this says is that from the beginning of the flood, the second month and 17th day, down to the 10th month and first day, that's roughly um, eight months and uh, 16 days short of eight months. And if you add 40 days later, when he releases the raven and the dove, and then seven days and another seven days, that's 54 days. Okay. So the total time, you know, forget about where it started and everything, but just the total length of time from when, the flood started to when the dove doesn't come back is eight months and 38 days, which is roughly like 278 days. Okay. And reading in uh, the first few books of the Bible, you realize that the Hebrew calendar was changed because in the days of, of uh, Noah, they started their, their year on a different day than, than what we do now, because when the Jews entered their promised land, they made that the first day of the year, which is Nisan one, which is, um, it used to be the seventh month of the, of, on their calendar, but they made it the first month. So in Noah's day, if you go back, um, six, six months, you will get the actual time of when the year used to start back in Noah's day. And in Stellarium, you know, I went to Nissan one <laughs> and I counted back six months and the flood, you know, back in the year 2020. Um, and I'll get to the Psalms in a minute, but in 2020, the flood started on November 3rd. Okay. Just happens to be the election. All right. <laughs> There's, you know, a lot of crazy stuff went on. Um, the flood started on that day. Okay. And if we fast forward eight months and 38 days, I believe that that leaves us or leads us to August 11th which is when the dove doesn't come back. Okay. So just to like, you know, 
um, a few days ago, the dove was released basically, and the dove doesn't come back. So sometime between now and the end of the, of the, the Noah story, which I'll get to that in a second, is when we get raptured, okay? Now, in the 601st year, which is the 121st year, on the first month and first day, but this is on Noah's calendar, that day, I believe, is, um, where is it? September, no, I'm sorry, uh, November uh, 13th, I believe. November 13th. Let me look it up. We got my Bible right here, real quick. I'm going to turn here. Well, this is all fascinating. I've been so. Oh, here we go. So silent. I'm just a listener. Carry on. Okay. I'm sorry. I think here. And in the second month, on the seven and 20th day of the month, sorry, the earth was dried. So the end of the story is the second month and 27th day of basically the next year and that is november 13th my apologies i i misquoted that in the beginning um it's the flood started on the the second month 17th day and that was november 3rd of last year so if you just add 10 days to that that's november 13th basically and it could be a bit before that but uh you know just going off the uh Second month, 27th day on Noah's calendar, that's November 13th, okay? So all the waters are dried up by November 13th, which means horrific um, losses of life. But the bride escapes, the spirit, the dove has left the earth, and Satan and his minions and all that, they're going to do their stuff. The pestilences the, you know, the uh, vaccines, the wars, you know, everything's getting ready for that final war, you know, nuclear holocaust, all that stuff. It's all being set up because it doesn't take that long to wipe out 6.5 billion people nowadays. It just doesn't. Okay. Famine, you know, you uh, stop supplying food to any place. It, it's going to get bad real quick. So um, let's see here on the timeline that I have, uh, you know, I, because I went back to the Psalms and when I heard Dr. Barry all talk about how the word rapture in Hebrew, which is not Saul, which is uh, noon, Zadi and Lamed. You know, that's the names of the Hebrew letters, I think. Um, anyway, it's encoded in Psalm 121 twice. And so I went back and I, I wrote out all the Hebrew letters and I looked for the letter skips. And sure enough, there it was. I saw it twice. But then I noticed something else. I noticed that within that encoding, there were two others that were encoded. The two others that were encoded um, was the word, I'm going to butcher this, but wozel, which means shadow. So a great shadow is, is, is going to be revealed 
once the rapture happens. Okay. Because, oh man, I wish, I wish you had a picture of this, but basically the, um, the, the word rapture is encoded and its letter skip is, um, let me see here. Like, I want to say 92, uh, 92 letters one way and then 31 letters uh, another way because it's encoded twice. So it's 92 and 92 and then 31 and 31. But inside that, the word shadow is encoded both times. So it's like you remove, you, you remove the, the ra- you know, you, you do the rapture and what's left is the shadow. Do you get what I'm going with that? And it totally blew my mind. I don't know if anybody else has seen this or maybe, you know, they just haven't got the word out yet, but uh, it's going to happen and it's going to happen real soon. And um, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about the, uh, you know, the book of Psalms is prophetic years from 1900 to 2050 in Psalm 120. If I just go to that real quick. Uh, I'm going to read the, the first line of it. You can see that the strong delusion is already here because in, um, I think it's second Thessalonians, one of the Thessalonians is talking about how, or um, I'm sorry, it's in revelation where it says by, by the sorceries were all nations deceived. And that word sorceries in the Greek is um, pharmakia which is pharmacy, drugs. What is it that is going on in the whole world that deals with a certain quote-unquote drug that you might want to get jabbed with? Okay, so all nations have bought into this. The whole world has bought into this. And this is how they're going to use um, this crisis to um, gain control. But let me read to you psalm 120 because if the book of psalms really is the prophetic years then that means that not only is the rebirth of israel in there but also the tribulation because the 120th year is when the flood begins when a great lie or delusion descends on the earth and when psalm 121 must be the escape of the bride and it has to show the events of the tribulation, the standing up of the temple, the um, Antichrist going into the temple and the Jews fleeing. And then it has to show, then it has to show the return of Christ. So, you know, we got seven years to play with here. So from Psalm 120 to Psalm 128, uh, it's got to be there. Otherwise, it's not a prophetic timeline and a story, right? Well, let me read to you what I have here. And I'll, and uh, God bless Pastor Sandy Armstrong for knowing Hebrew because he discovered something that's absolutely amazing. And um, anyway, in Psalm 120, the great delusion is supposed to occur on the whole world. And what does it say? In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. It's the first two verses of Psalm 120. The great delusion is here. 
I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. It's talking about Israel. All Israel wants is peace. We had that Abrahamic Accord. They, um, you know, are doing the infrastructure bill thing that, uh, that Trump set up. They just want to get along and make money. Okay? <laughs> Regular people. Nobody else does. Psalm 121. Verse 6. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. If the flood starts in the 120th year, then in the 121st year, there has to be the rapture. There has to be the Ezekiel 39 war, the great tribulation has to start and god has to stand up and preserve israel through it all because he said he was going to you know in psalm 91 is talking about um excuse me you shall not fear the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that walks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday because um god what is it Let's see here. Uh, you'll tread upon the lion and the adder and the young lion and the dragon. You shall trample under your feet. And he's talking about because are only with your eyes will you see the, and behold the reward of the wicked. And because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwellings. Talking about the prophecy of Israel, you know, in, in my opinion, okay, it's talking about no plague will, will, will go into Israel. They're not going to be wiped out. God is going to stand up. You know, uh, the Archangel Michael is going to, is going to stand up and fight for them. God himself will preserve them. So, um, cause they know that's a prophecy in Daniel as well. The Archangel Michael standing up but anyway. So in 121, they had the great, uh, Ezekiel 39 war. Damascus is destroyed. They are miraculously preserved to this whole thing. The next thing that happens is that the Antichrist uses this to broker his peace agreement, make a covenant with many for seven, uh, you know, uh, a week. Okay. And they get to rebuild the temple because the Antichrist three and a half years later has to walk into the temple and declare himself God. So as soon as that Ezekiel 39 war happens and the great tribulation starts and the new world order stands up, the Antichrist is going to be revealed and he's got to make that peace agreement and allow the Jews to rebuild their temple. And we know all the stuff that's going on with the Temple Mount right now, okay, the riots and everything that are going on. Well, Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. They're going to rebuild the temple. They're going to go back. They're going to start doing their sacrifices. They're going to start fulfilling their Levitical law and, and all that stuff. Okay. Let's see here. All right. Ah, here we go. All right. So Psalm 122, three and a half years later, or Psalm 121, uh, the beginning of the tribulation, three and a half years later, 
which is uh, 124, 2024, the beast is going to go in there and declare himself God. If we can find that in Psalm 124, then I, you know, everything else is so far right on timeline. So in Psalm 124, what happens? The Antichrist declares himself God. The abomination of desolation is seen by the Jews. What do they do? They flee and the beast pursues them. That's what happens in Revelation. The woman fled into the wilderness for three and a half years and was um, preserved, you know. So anyway, verse six, blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Jews escape in 2024 when they see the abomination of desolation. It's right there. All right. And so for the finale, Psalm 128, Jesus returns. What does he do? He smites the armies. He establishes millennial reign. And there will be people, I think, that live to see the end of the 1,000 year millennial reign because the devil is going to be casting the lake of fire for a thousand years. There'll be no evil or corruption. The, her- the earth is going to be healed. And, you know, there, there, will, there won't be murders and all the stuff that we have now, all the craziness. Okay. So here's what it says Psalm 128, verse 3. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Told that thus shall thou be blessed the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion and thou shalt the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Thou see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. It's the millennial reign when Christ returns. Finally, They'll know who their Messiah is. The Jewish people will repopulate the earth during the 1,000-year millennial reign. They'll fill the earth. God's going to get his second bride. Children's children, and there will be peace for 1,000 years. It's all right there in the book of Psalms. And... Um, what's really cool is, you know, not only is rapture encoded in Psalm 121, but Psalm 120 to, uh, 135, I believe are called the songs of ascension because there were 15 steps up to the temple. And so as you ascend up the temple, you know, these are the songs of the 15 steps ascending up to the temple, but in Psalm 121, it's not the song um, of ascension. It's the song or the psalm to ascend. In the Hebrew, it says to ascend, not of ascending, but to ascend. This is when we go up. Okay, so another thing. Um, everybody knows, or at least they can Google it, that the Revelation 12 signs spoken of by uh, the prophet John, you know, the, the apostle John, happened on September 23rd, 2017. There's that, um, 
verse in in Luke that says, you know, the the vineyard master goes and he says, this tree, aka Israel, has not produced any fruit for three years. Cut it down. And the caretaker says, whoa, 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 hold on. Give it another year, dung it. And then at the end of another year, if it hasn't produced any fruit, then cut it down. Four years, at the end of four years, at the end, not at the beginning of the fourth year, but at the end of the fourth year. The end of the fourth year, September 23rd. Since the Revelation 12 sign. The um, really cool thing about that is on September 6th, 7th, and 8th of this year is the Feast of Trumpets. And I think everyone kind of glosses over this, but the Jews' Feast of Trumpets is the day that nobody knows the hour of. Because they don't blow the trumpets until they see the sliver of the new moon to start their festival. So nobody knows when they're going to spot the sliver of the new moon. So it's the day and hour that nobody knows. <laughs> so it could very well be that, you know, on September uh, 8th, when they spot the new moon and blow the trumpet, God really does blow his trumpet and he comes to get us. So all these things are lining up. Several events that are happening in, happening in September. But of a surety, once the armies encompass Israel, and I'm sure it'll be on the news, you know that we're about to go. And it's going to happen before uh, November 13th because that's the end of the story. November 13th is when all the waters were dried from the earth. So hang on. We're almost there. It's all fascinating. Fascinating. Just about at that one hour mark, I can say that um, you just schooled me on this. And I'm going to have to make you a guest host um, for a call to actions because and you speak in a way that, that I can't speak. And uh, really, I mean, if you're open to it, I can make you guess so sometimes when uh, when you want to talk about this type of type of material because I really all I can do is sit and listen and and all. Well, you know, I've uh, I've listened to a lot of people and I've prayed over things and I've done my own studies and you know I go to BibleHub.com and I look at the original Greek, the original Hebrew, and you know I'm I'm trying to search out these matters as well. And there are things that have been revealed to other people that, you know, I find on YouTube because they do a post and then I do searching and God reveals things to me, you know, little things. And it's all glory for God. It's all um, to edify him, to show the people that are left behind that might stumble across this recording. We knew it was coming. We tried to warn as many people as we could. You know, I go out and I tell people, Jesus loves you. He's coming back. And they just walk away. I can't, you know, um, my heart breaks because, you know, I get into this. But, you know, I had that dream uh, I was telling you about before we did this recording. And the, uh, the planes are falling out of the sky. 
And I thought there must be some kind of magnetic disturbance or whatever, but that wasn't actually the case. The plane flew out of the, uh, dropped out of the sky and the people um, had survived, were crawling out of the crash sites and they were choking because uh, some type of gas had been released in the planes to make it look like there was some kind of crazy catastrophe. And I ascended up a, uh, just when that happened, I ascended up a, a, a ramp. And instead of going on, I made a decision to come back down. And I floated down to this place where there were a whole bunch of people in like a, a convenience store. And they were all scared. And I started talking to them and said, look, there's some crazy stuff going on outside. You guys need to get to Jesus. The first thing that happened was the store clerk pulled out a gun and shot me. But the bullet bounced off. And I said, you don't have time for that. You need to listen to what I have to say. And I started preaching to them, sharing the gospel. And at the end of the dream, they were all singing. and. Um, you know, sharing the gospel with one another and we were holding hands and we were praying. And then that was the end of the dream. And, you know, I think that there's something that has that that's going on. A lot of people are talking about how there'll be certain people that come back in glorified bodies that can't be touched uh, by the darkness that will be witnesses, um, you know, not just the left behind church, but there may be actual people that are leading in uh, these things I'm not saying that I'm one of them. I just happen to have a dream about something like that. Um, but, you know, for three weeks, I, you know, Bobby, I told you, though, when I moved down to Texas, you know, Lord said, don't worry, I'm going to get you a new job. It'll happen so fast, it'll be ridiculous. So I put in my two weeks notice at my old job. That day, I got a call for an offer, right? I was telling you about that. And they met me twice and they hired me like on the spot. They didn't even negotiate the price. And it's like the dream job. Well, three weeks later, I had been getting these, this nudging of saying, Jay, you've got to leave that job. You got to tell them what you know. You got to leave that job. And I'm like, you just gave me this job. I can't leave this job. You know, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> she, she, uh, you know, she didn't understand. Uh, but he's like, look, I gave you that job. Who gave you that job? And I'm like, you did, Lord. He's like, yeah, you don't think I can do better than that? You don't, who's your provider? I said, well, you are. He said, that's right. I gave that to you for a reason. And I said, okay, show me something I can't deny. So um, the minute I said that in my mind, Two eagles were circling over me, doing their calls. Okay. I never seen eagles before on this. I, I walk around the same pond every day, never seen anything like that. So I, you know, I'm like, two eagles. Uh, okay. Next day, I'm walking around the same path. I see seven vultures eating something. And I sit down and I watch it. I'm like, this is kind of weird. And I see an eighth vulture swoop down from the sky, go up, nestle the other ones out of the way, and start eating. I'm like, okay, that's weird. <sighs> so then um, 
man, I had this terrible dream that night because I didn't, you know, I didn't listen to the Lord. I had this terrible dream that there was a, this amazing gulf uh, between me and this place and people were jumping across and I didn't jump across. I couldn't. I said, how can I jump across? I don't even have a running start, but I saw other people making the jump. And when I woke up, I realized that it's a leap of faith. And so that day, um, I decided, all right, you know, loud and clear. I wrote, I wrote everything basically uh, down, you know, the timing of Israel that, that God's led me to. This is the future generation, the days of Noah, just like he said, you know, 278 days sometime between now and uh, November 13th. Hundreds of millions of people are going to disappear. I have to leave this job. Otherwise, nobody's going to take it seriously. And I sent in my resignation and I quit that day. And, you know, that was hard. But there's no more time. Um, The things that he showed me, the things that other people have revealed because they've been shown by the Holy Spirit, there's just no more time. So, you know, my, my walk in all of this is just to simply trust. To just simply trust that there's something, you know, there's a, there's a pointed task that I've been, um, you know, led to do. And I can't see the whole big picture. I don't know the little stones that start the bigger stones rolling that, Um, You know, I can't see the whole picture. I don't understand how it all impacts everyone. But I know that it had an effect on those people. And when we do leave here, they're going to go back to that email and they're going to see what was written in there. And it's going to be exactly the way that it was outlined. You know, and the documents that I've given you about the the Gospels and about the timing, uh, you know, all that stuff. I've updated all of them with the new information, you know, this is it. Uh, if anyone out there has not trusted in Christ or has not been, you know, born again, it's so easy, ridiculously easy to be saved. You know, Bobby, do you, if you want to lead the gospel, uh, you know, just tell people how to be saved or I can do it. Uh, you know, this is your show, but, you know, let's just go through the, the gospel of your salvation right now. Anyone listening to this, you can be saved immediately, sealed by the Holy Spirit, ready to go in the rapture, born again, justified by the blood of Christ, forgiven. You don't have to endure this. You don't have to work your way to heaven. Jesus already paid the fine for you. It's the most amazing debt forgiveness program ever. He takes all your sin. He takes all your worry. He takes all your guilt. He blesses you. He trades it in for love, mercy, righteousness, and it's free. He already paid it. All you have to do is just trust in him and believe. Just believe in your heart that he died on the cross for you, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day, conquering death and hell. You believe that in your heart, you will be saved. You call on his name. That's it. That's the gospel of your salvation, you know, and you can't say, you can't confess that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. Honestly, try to get somebody to confess 
that's like an atheist that Jesus is Lord. It ain't happening. Okay. I spent an hours trying to uh, explain the gospel of salvation to an atheist who, by the way, was telling me that there's no such thing as free will. <laughs> and I was like, you came up and started talking to me. I didn't ask you to do that. You chose to do that. You just disproved your whole no free will business. You know, free will is everything. God has free will. He gave that to us. We can choose to follow him. We can choose to trust and love in him and believe in him. Or, or we can't, you know, we can decide not to. He's looking for people that want to be with him. He only gives us two rules. Love your neighbor as yourself and love him with all your mind, body, soul, and strength. When you mess up, it's okay. He's a father. He's going to pick up his children and keep them moving along, training them. We're heirs with Christ. We are in a schoolroom training to be princes and kings and priests in the millennial kingdom. Everybody's welcome. He offers this salvation to anyone, no matter what you've done. No matter what you've done, you're worthy. He's reaching out to you. Just believe. That's it. Look up if the book of Ephesians. Look up Corinthians. Look up the book of Romans. The gospel of your salvation is there. By grace you are saved and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. That's it. Not of the world. No government. No scientific order itself that is horizontal and of the world will ever save you. And putting, putting our hopes in some experiment or, or some governing agency is not going to save us. See, that's all of the world. What we should look for is something horizontal, vertical to ascend. That's where, that's where we should be looking. So this is Bobby Vaughn with guest host for this show, Jay Harden, returning guest. And I want to thank you, Jay, for, for being on A Call to Actions and uh, really taking, taking control of this one. Very much appreciated. My pleasure, Bobby. All glory to God. All right. We will be talking soon. Thank you. God bless. 